Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you guys. If you have your Bible, be turning to Acts chapter 14. This should be the uh, last installment of our Goodness to Greatness series, part three. If you, um, after this, perhaps want to hear more about it or just look into um, what it is that God's word says about these things, I would uh, recommend that you go to our archive on our um, Facebook, or I'm sorry, our uh, MBT page, Faith Fellowship uh, Media page, and it should have all of those recordings uh, available to you. I'm going to pray real quick, and then uh, we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you so much for today, and Lord, it's just great to uh, be with your people this morning and to really consider what your word has to say. And Father, I do just pray that you would just prime our hearts for um, what it is that um, is in front of us. I mean, there is a great call that, Lord, without you would be impossible to accomplish. Uh, it'd be impossible for us to continue in. And uh, but, Lord, you are with us. And so, Lord, I pray that we just see that clearly this morning. Lord, remove me. I will stumble and fumble and make everybody confused and, and it will just be a mess. And so, Lord, would you just um, speak through me and uh, Lord, set me aside, speak to your people, speak to me. Uh, and Lord, have your way uh, with this uh, great passage of scripture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so uh, first thing that I want to just have you in your head to be thinking, God is never satisfied with our good enough, which is why you get challenges that will have you, that, that he will have to bring you through. God is never satisfied with our good enough, which is why you get challenges that he will have to bring you through. The various things that you have going on in your life are drawn up for you personally, specifically. It's not somebody else's challenge. It's not somebody else's issues. It is yours. And the one thing that he loves is that there are things that just bring you to your knees. You have to get to a spot and understand that that's, a, that's the best place for you to be. Is on your knees before him desperate for him to move. Before we get in everything, I wanna show you a slide that has kind of the layout of this first missionary journey. And as you can see here, it's nice and colorful. I love it. It has plenty of information on it. But this is basically what has happened. Now there's another slide, we won't go to that one yet, but I'm just gonna kind of tell you the order of the cities. Okay, so that you can kind of see, and I'll just step over here for those of you that are kind of in the back here. So this all started in chapter 13, verses one, where they're sent out from Antioch. Okay, this would be Antioch of Syria because there's another Antioch here in Pisidia. Okay, so they start their journey here and then they go into uh, Seleucia, which is where they're gonna sail out of. Okay, and then that next journey is into uh, Salamis on the Isle of uh, Cyprus. They preached in the synagogues with John Mark here. 
okay, this is a fairly light trip right here. Just there's not much said other than they preach in the synagogues there. Things seem to be going well, but things change once they get to uh, Paphos. That is where they meet the sorcerer Bar Jesus in this area here. And uh, remember, there was uh, Sergius had called because he had heard about what had been said here. And so now he's like, man, you guys got to come and explain this, clarify this better for me. And so we get into that spot there where they end up there. And then they end up going from there into uh, Perga. Now, this is a tough spot because this is where John Mark leaves them. And uh, we'll see in more detail in the next chapter. Not much is said other than that. It's a quick verse, but it kind of lets you know because this, this, these two chapters are very clear that wherever they were, they share the gospel. This initially did not take place until they come back here. Okay, so they end up right there and uh, they end up here in Antioch. So they go from Perga to Antioch and Pisidia. And so they get invited to share the gospel in the synagogue, but then are later kicked out by the Jews, which is how they end up by the time we get to uh, Acts chapter 14 in Iconium. From there, they go into the synagogue and preach again to the Jews, start causing trouble again. And now they kind of get the, the um, Gentiles on their side. And so then they flee to Lystra. The way it's worded, it can make you think that they, it's like they fled here and here simultaneously. But what happens is, in chapter 14, there's more detail given about what happened specifically in Lystra. Then they go to Derby, and then they basically make their way back home to this Antioch, because now this is the uh, home base. And so I shortened some of the things I wanted to say, but we go to the next slide here. Take a picture of this. If you want to just see, for the sake of clarity, so you see again here, we said that Antioch of Syria to Seleucia to Cyprus. You kind of see just these key things that are taking place there. When they get to Lystra, they preach the gospel there, but then that's also where they meet the impotent man. And then the issues show up. Remember those uh, people who uh, um, worship in Lyconia, those individuals call them gods there. And so they have to straighten them out. Then you get into these, uh, the, while they're there, the Jews from Antioch and Pisidia and Iconium show up. And uh, now persecution, Paul gets stoned there. And then they go to Derby. after that to preach the gospel. This is important. Timothy is from this area. Okay, and so this is this is super critical. They got to preach the gospel. The Lord is not playing games here. There's a plan that they don't even know of yet, right? Which is why it's so important to do this. And so next slide. Here's the rest of that. Okay, so then they backtrack from there. They go back to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. They confirm, they exhort, they ordain. There's already a root of this that has been started. Uh, when things spread after Stephen was uh, stoned to death and they scattered. So some of these places have had some visitation, not all of them. We'll get into that more in the, in the coming chapters. 
It will make mention of that again. And, uh, and then you see, they go back to Perga. This is the place where John Mark left, but now they, it says specifically, preach the gospel there. Very cool. I love God's heart there. No man left behind. Then they go to Atelia, which is kind of like Seleucia, a port city. They're going to sail out of there and then back home. And <laughs> just as a way, because we are familiar with this, this is Tuesday night prayer. It's a trip update. They're going to do a trip update when they get back. And then they continue the work of which they were doing already in chapter 13, 1 and 2. So this is basically the layout of how things are for this first missions trip. But the thing that we've been looking at in particular has been this transference from good, good enough to greatness. And the reason that I really just saw this so clearly is because of what the key verse is. And that key verse, and you'll see it a little bit later, but I'll just read it uh, for you now, is in verse 22. And he says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. So remember now, this is the whole thing about this that is so critical because, well, we're in a state where we have a lot of tribulation. If I just listen to the prayer requests we have, there are people whose families are in a disarray. There, A lot of you are having just where challenges at work or maybe your spouses or maybe your own children or just, just how you're getting along in the world is tough right now. And the one thing that is just very clear throughout all the trouble that Paul and Barnabas are running into is the gospel is right there. There's a continuation from their part. The Lord has not said, oh, because you have had a difficulty, even the difficulty of being stoned, the gospel still must go out. I know we need that. I believe we need that. We need that in this class. We need that in this church, in this country, in this world. We have to stay on task. The Lord has equipped us in such a unique way that those of us that have the light of Jesus Christ, because we have trusted on the name of Jesus Christ, now have the ability to be a part of the work of liberating souls. That is not a small task. That is not a small endeavor. It is of great value. And my fear is, my concern is, is when I look out amongst, even of myself, the distractions of hardness of life can sometimes put you off of that mission. That's problematic. And so the context here is what we're going to be looking at for the rest of this chapter is 19 to 28, the details of what happened between Lystra and then all the way back to Antioch of Syria. Our text will be in 19 through 28. Let's read that so that way we get our head on straight here. It says this in Acts 14, verse 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. 
And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And when they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Verse 27, and when they were come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. And so I believe our next slide should be our um, key points. And once we get to that, it'll be the key points of everything that we've looked at from this point. In part one, we saw, don't take the body of Christ for granted. I've had conversation with some of you that really value that. If, if you are struggling to even understand the value of that, just talk to a missionary about the body of Christ. When you're going to go and set up a work and you're the only one that has faith and you're going to minister to individuals and you don't have anybody pouring into you, do you understand how lonely that is? Extremely. And it's really easy to be able to come to church and you just take for granted the people you have around you, the leadership you have around you, the, the, the different things and ways that you can get involved. When it's just you, you are everything. That's why my heart is for Tampa. Because I see that, man, that, the, that group of individuals there, they have to be worship, kid town, uh, hospitality, discipleship, everything. Don't take the body of Christ for granted. Be faithful no matter what. This is the thing that we've just seen repeatedly is that there is trouble kind of on every side. And in some cases, there is trouble even within the places that they come to. And there's victory right there. It's like you're having it in both hands. Measure why it is that you're faithful. Is it just because somebody is telling you to do so? Or do you know why you should be? Proclaim the testimony of Jesus, preach the gospel. We saw that in verses three and seven. Listen, you will be most miserable of believers if you are not doing that. This life is not about trying to make things easier and better for you. If you have a life that is logical and makes sense and is easy peasy, and you just have the occasional hiccup here and there because you're not sharing the gospel, man, you missed the mark. Guys, we have to be people about the gospel. You understand what age this is. The Bible has clearly laid out that we are distracted. I hate that this is the, this is the age that, I'm, that I grew up in, but I love on one hand, it, I feel the most equipped, the most capable, just with the people that we have around. Despite whatever the Lord may say about the age, that doesn't have to be the call of my own life. He's called me to something greater. Listen for the Holy Spirit's leading. We saw that in verse six. The one thing is, remember, we asked the question, do you even know how to do that? If you don't value what your, your devotional time and time and prayer, where that's where you start having conversation. When you're in the word, you're listening. When you're praying, you're talking. That's conversation. Stop guessing. 
or going back to whatever your flesh reminds you to try again that didn't work and won't work again. In part two, we saw the stand upright. In verses eight through 13, there is a way to stand. And the only way that you're going to stand is in the power of the gospel. There's an uprightness. There's a righteousness by which the Lord is calling us to that we get to stand in by Jesus Christ. We saw the turn from, and remember, we just left it open. There may be a number of things that you need to turn from. And consider that attitude that just says that this is how I am, I'm telling you, that's from the pit of hell. The Lord says you are a new creature in Christ. Is that true or not? The next one was do the hard work. Listen, uh, I don't know if somebody, when you got saved, told you that this is going to be easy. Uh, it is not. Because you have a flesh. You are in the world. And you have an enemy. And those things like to work in concert with each other to make sure that you just stay on the sidelines, having no effect in your life, carrying the light of the gospel of Jesus in you. And so now here we are, part three. In order for us to transfer from good enough to greatness, it must be this, be prepared for anything and expect the unexpected. We're going to see that from 19 to 22. I think a little bit, we're going to see how it is that we prepare in the first place. I don't understand why believers are the most surprised people on earth. When you already know who the enemies are, why are you shocked? The other thing that we will look at is invest in the souls of men. We hear it all the time around here, and we will continue to say it because it's worth repeating. Invest in the souls of men. The next thing will be to give praise. And then lastly will be continue the work. It's one thing to start the hard work. It's another thing to continue it. And so let's start breaking this thing apart here. There's a lot of information. You're going to be taking pictures or taking notes or both. Okay, so just get ready. It's work day today. Okay. All right. First thing, 19 through 22, we saw be prepared for anything and expect the unexpected. Why are we saying that? In verse 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stone Paul, uh-oh, wait a minute. Didn't I flee to get out of here? These guys are giving me trouble in Iconium. They're back. It's, man, this is, okay, this is the setup. Christians love to talk about how the Lord delivered them, but when the trouble comes, then we start failing away. Where are you at now, Christian? You think that somehow, because you walk with the Lord, that that keeps you in this kind of, uh, safe bubble of it will just always work out for you man it may not it will work out for his glory let's be very clear about that his glory is what's at stake 
Why these Jews from Antioch and Iconium? What is the big deal? In verse 45 of chapter 13, it says this, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable in verse 50, women and the chief men in the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. See, here's something that you have to understand. One of the references for 45 is in James 3, 14 through 16. It says this, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly. Remember, I told you who the enemies are. The thing you have to understand with these Jews is like these guys, the wisdom by which they are making their assault against what it is that Paul and Barnabas are saying about this Christ is the Messiah and really now kind of like a, a one hand on, hey, yes, Messiah, but over here, understand this is the kingdom of God. A spiritual kingdom. It is both earthly, sensual, devilish for where envying and strife is, get this, there is confusion in every evil work. These individuals are confused themselves. And because the, ma the masses are getting a clue in to what is taking place, they are like, <laughs> we got to keep you confused because we think we have the truth. But the Lord has already defined that truth as earthly, sensual, devilish. So this is why you should not be surprised because, well, those are the things that work against you in the first place. See, in Jude 1.10, it says these, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. Have you ever had that happen at work? And people just start, like you're sharing the gospel, maybe you're inviting people to Bible study, and then there's just this murmur happening to just break that down. Maybe it's happening in your neighborhood. Maybe it's happening in your family. Listen, the enemy, he plays hardball. In his mind, you are the worst to have God's glory. And he wants to constantly remind you and the Lord of that. So it's always a full-on assault, just so you can retreat and go, I'm out. Paul knew what he was up against. He was one of the cats that was doing the same thing. So he knew the fervor by which they were going to come after him. This is not something that he was shocked about. It's interesting. On one hand, the Holy Spirit's leading to flee. They get somewhere, share the gospel. But now he ain't say flee now, did he? Now you got to face it. So Christian, consider this. What is the Lord telling you to face? That's a hard thing right now, right now, hard thing. You got to face it. You can't run from it. There ain't no quick relief out of it. There ain't no safety. Like you got to face it because here's the deal. The Lord wants to fight the battle for you. It makes sense why this work is for the foolish. In 1 Corinthians 1 27, it says, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Remember, we saw a wisdom that exists in opposition to that gospel. It's earthly, essential, it's devilish. And the Lord says this, 
But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. He will use our weakness as an advantage. But we got to call on him. Listen, there. this is something that we just have to get in the space of. We don't like being weak. We don't like it like in a like in submission, those are the guys that wrestled. You understand, like being pinned on your back, that's uncomfortable. And sometimes circumstantially, that's how you feel is you pin on your back. But you're not working from a place of defense. You're on offense. You already won. The Lord is actually, you're just watching the match. The Lord is actually doing the wrestling for you. And we know he's won. That's easy. It's just a pen. One, two, three. Okay, we're done. <laughs> right? And so, I listen, let your weakness be something that is useful for the Lord. Don't try to muster up your, your own strength. Don't be so distraught by these challenges or whatever that may come their way. We are the foolish, and the Lord seeks to confound the wisdom of the wise by our foolish preaching of the gospel. See, our prep here comes from a place that knows the heart of Jesus. And that's the one thing that I really want you to key in on is Romans 8, 34 through 36. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And then it says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And what's the first thing? Shall tribulation for some of us, the answer is yes. You see what I'm saying? You're in battle, Christian. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, what happens? For thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That phrasing on the end is very interesting because it links, um, links us back to Jesus Christ himself. In Acts 8.32, it says this, the place, the place of the scripture uh, uh, which we read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. That's what it says about the most powerful. And so now you're going to bring your power into the situation? I don't think so. No. See, here's the principle. Your best preparation is intimacy with Jesus. I'm, I'm just telling you that, guys, it's not just good enough for you to know about him. You must know him. How he thinks, how he feels about you, how he feels about the world. If you have that down, I'm telling you, it just keeps your focus laser sharp. It was not a question for Paul of how the Lord felt about him. It wasn't a question for Paul for how the Lord felt about the Gentiles or the Jews, which is why he could face both and understand that there would be challenge and opposition from both. Just because the Lord had set him up and told him and discipled him personally did not mean that 
as soon as he opened his mouth, there would just be success right away. Christian, do we think that childishly, that just because we obey once, that it's just going to work out? Man, my, that, the, listen, the preparation of my heart has to be that I'm, I'm, I'm so in tune with the Lord, I just see it the way he does. Whatever it is, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I'm going through, whatever, whatever, however I got to see that, I got to see it through his lens. Listen, that he is so open. He was like, I will, let me tell you what my lens is. That's what your, excuse me, that's what your word is for. See, their goal in their assault, we saw what it is to break that up, but let's understand something. This goes way back, all the way to when the Lord was crucified. It's to destroy. It's not even about you. Christian, you just in the middle, the crossfire. This is always about, I will destroy the testimony of Jesus, period. Get this, in Matthew 27, 20, it says, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude, why? That they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. It's not about you. Stop taking these things so personal. You represent something that the enemy seeks to destroy. He does not want you to be about his business, about the Lord's business. He does not want you to be about furthering the kingdom. He wants you to just sit on the sideline. Do not fall for the okie doke. That's how this goes. It's like smoke and mirrors. And all the while you are trapped behind smoke and mirrors, you are ineffective because you've lost the intimacy with the Lord. Because now, you know what? Unfortunately, if I'm not intimate with the Lord, guess who I'm intimate with? The world. I can't, it can't be both. That's what we were saying earlier about turn away from. There's something so in, intense about and just steady about Paul's position because that intimacy exists. He's not a hero. He's not heroic. He's just faithful. He knows the Lord he serves. This leads us to principle number two. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. You have to remember that. You have to remember that. Do not get so offended. Do not seek out for vengeance. Do not withhold the gospel just because you are so upset with these individuals. For all that those Jews had been given him, did he or did he not go into the synagogues and preach? Knowing full well what was going to happen. Do you think it was a shock to him that he went? into every synagogue, and then there's an uproar. No, he knows it's on the line. He's going to do it regardless. Man, I love that heart position. I love that. And so why is it that Paul got stoned? Very hauntingly, the first reference here is in Acts 7, 58, which is a terrible testimony for Paul. It says this, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Remember, he watched Stephen be stoned to death. And there are some 
commentators that would say that even like there was a sense of joy in watching this happen. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that uh, our trickster God is looking to uh, always have you have to pay for the things you've done, but there are consequences to your actions for sure. And the Lord did warn him of something. Don't forget it. Acts 9, 9, 16, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So here's my warning to you. Be careful how you treat God's people. You ought to be careful how you treat God's people. The Lord does not take it lightly that you treat his sons and daughters like trash. The things you say, the way you position your heart against, the Lord may allow you to feel that so you know what it's like so you won't do it again. It was so important to him that he, he mentioned it again. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty five. he says, Thrice was I beaten with rods and once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck and night and day I have been in the deep. Guys, remember we said that there is a great amount of grace. God is gracious. He forgives. He blots out all of those things. But you do live in the consequences of your poor choices. Treat his people well. He says repeatedly treat his people well. He warns pastors <laughs> to feed the flock. He tells you how to do it with your heart. See, listen, this is what I'm trying to stop happening for you. I'm, I, I'm tired of listening to you get doubled over from just poor choices, that if you really just stop making these choices, it will work out better. There is great rest mentally just from obedience and submission. Do you believe that this morning? When you just obey and submit and you just say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, the Lord's like, I don't, I know, I know you don't. I know. And then I don't have to know all the details. Well, Lord, well, tell me about this. Well, I'll be faithful. I'll go on this trip as long as you tell me exactly how it's going to work out. No, the right heart just says, okay, Lord, my heart is burning for this. I really don't have the resources for it, but I'm going to set it aside. Maybe I need to cut some things out in order to see that that happens. And then you get to go. And the Lord rocks your world when you go. I don't want you to miss out on those opportunities. I don't want you to be out here shocked, surprised that things are particularly challenging. Be careful of everything because of what you represent in the world just by the fact that you have the name of the Lord stamped on you. It matters. We don't do that in this house. You carry a different name than the name that is your last name. It's something I had to learn. It's something I'm still learning. I mean, I'm, I'm honest with you. It's something I'm still learning. Verse 20. How be it as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And that as right there, 2 Corinthians 1, 9 says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Here it is. 
but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, leading us to principle number three, never rely on self for deliverance. In this day and age right now, especially with, I'm just going to say it, with the COVID monster, there is a protective barrier that the children of faith are putting around themselves in order to make sure they don't get it. If you get it, it's for the Lord to decide whether it's the end or not. And listen, I'm not taking light of any of the challenges that we've had in our church. We Almost everybody in the church has had it. We've had multiple deaths outside, just in our extended family and friends. I get that wholeheartedly. But listen, there is a decider on who it is goes and stays. Do you believe that? Will that stop you from being about God's mission? Because maybe for the rest of our lives, we will have to live with COVID that you may have to put on a mask. You may get vaccinated or not, whatever. I'm not even saying for or against. I'm just saying this, there's a mission regardless. And I love that there is no, like, it's not a shock to him. And when faced the first rock that shows up, okay, here it is, it's right here. So either this is the end of my life and the, and the work that the Lord has called me to do, which he would be fulfilled. And if he was dead, mission accomplished. He's done what the Lord has told him to do. But that's not what happened. <laughs> this is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver and whom we trust See, I love that that verse reminds us of something. We believe that he has delivered us in a spiritual sense, but boy, oftentimes we, we just panic when we think our mortal life is on the line. There was something so interesting that just took place in, in India. And often I reference that just because that's where I felt like this is, this is that time. It could be the end. I don't know. This is a foreign, I don't know. I'm not on American soil. I don't know how this is going to go. Guys, there was just a different, I just, I just determined in my heart, I was not going to deny the name of the Lord and I was going to face whatever it was that was coming my way. And it's not because I'm tough. I, it was just decision time. I had to get in that car and buy our escorts to the police station, which was super awkward, <laughs> super quiet. Just decided this could end up in beatings. What am I going to do? I'm not, I'm just, I'm telling myself, I'm telling you, I'm telling myself this. I'm not talking to Dan. I'm not talking to Miles or Blade. I'm just talking to myself, Lord, I'm not, I'm not denying your name, whatever you have coming my way. And I, you know, one thing, this is how silly I am because I've watched too many movies, <laughs> but I'm like, man, they might pull my fingernails out. <laughs> That's really going to hurt. <laughs> but, but in my head, I was just like, so be it. If that's what it comes to, so be it. The Lord gets to decide. And remember, he decided. I'm here. That doesn't mean the next time I go, it won't happen. Right? Like, we have to understand that. 
Dan already said something about it. And for a split second, I thought, nah. <laughs> and, then, and then I just felt grieved by it because I didn't like the response I gave him. And I texted him, I said, bro, do you want to go? We'll go. We'll try to figure out. I said, and you know what that means? He was like, yes. Okay. May happen. James may be your fellowship leader. <laughs> if that's the case, praise the Lord. He'd be better fit anyways. And so you got to understand, never rely on self for deliverance. It's either the Lord's going to do it or you're going to bumble it up. Don't try to do it. When you see in that verse, he came, it's to encourage and to comfort. You notice something very interesting about that verse. It says, he rose up and came into the city. Now, I want to just bring you back to chapter 12 and 17. Remember, when Peter was free from prison, there's a reason why the Lord, when you are delivered, when you do get out of something, why I can give this testimony to you, because some of you are hearing me and you are deciding in your heart that, you know what, I will serve the Lord. Peter, free from prison, he goes to the house where all the disciples are to show that he was alive. It says this in verse 17, but he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace. Hey, be quiet, because I'm trying to be on the sneak tip. I've got to roll. Declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. How encouraging. Remember, remember how awkward it was for them. They didn't even want to open the door. And remember when the girl said, hey, it's Peter. And they're like, it's a go. You're crazy. We just wrote him off as dead. No, he's standing right here. Come to the door and see. What does that do to your faith? So now, Christian, let me drum it up for you like this. Whatever challenge that you're going through, you need to go through it, get beat up in it, have to submit to it, and then come out on the other side. Why? Because it will encourage another believer. It's not about you. The Lord is always using you as a, as a funnel to somebody else or to many. So it matters that he ends up in Derby. It matters to those disciples that are sitting here watching this guy might as well be dead. We think he's dead. And he gets up. And you're freaked out. Maybe not in this time period because things are still weird in the world. And so weird stuff happens. So they might be like, oh, that's unusual. But it's an encouragement because he got up. And the Lord said, I'm not done with you. So leads us to the next principle. Your deliverance was not just for you, but for the body as well. You have to understand that. It's an important principle to get. The things that just happen to you just so that you can hold your mouth closed about it. The Lord is like, open your mouth. Share about what it is that I'm doing. Let the people know. And what happened? Listen, and I love this. Just on task, on focus. What happens? Why did Paul go to Derby? To preach. <laughs> to preach. It wouldn't address his wounds. It was to preach. This is the fruit of that. Acts 16.1. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple, wait a minute, already, by the time we get there, a certain disciple 
was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a, was a Greek. Because Paul stays on task, guys, because he lets the Lord decide how, if he's going to make it or if he's not going to make it, and then what does he do? Oh, if I have another day of breath, I have another opportunity to obey. Do you see your life like that? You have another opportunity to get to the work that the Lord has called you to. Stop trying to figure out what the plan is and just get to work. The Lord has already mapped it out. We say it all the time here. Between discipleship and and, and, and foundations two and three and LFBI, Bible studies, involvement. Man, just don't try to figure out, well, this, if I do this, is this going to mean this? We don't know. And it don't matter. Just do it. Just, just come. By the way, let me just say, I'm so thankful for all of you that are a part of one of our Timothy Bible studies. Listen. God is tapping on hearts in this class. There's testimony constantly that I get. I know sometimes you don't hear me respond. I may not say anything, but whether it's you guys contact me directly or Serene gets feedback or somebody else just sends me something, God is at work in faith fellowship. You guys are making choices. You're listening and you're attending Bible study. You're learning stuff. I'm in, I am so encouraged by you which is why I got to keep the fire underneath your feet so that you don't think, oh, this is good enough. I'll just sit down now. No, get up. We have work to do. And so the next thing is this, invest in the souls of men. We know it. We hear it all the time. 21 through 26. And 21, it says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught don't miss it. That is discipleship is taking place. You have to understand that. And taught many, they were turned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. There is, this is just a direct obedience to the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 19, you know it. I'll just help you rem be reminded. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's why you do this. But here's something particularly neat in terms of these cities. Lystra's name means ransoming. That means the price for redeeming. Isn't it interesting that Paul would have to give his life in availability for Jesus in that same place that was called ransoming? Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. See, this is something I know that Paul absolutely understood, that if the Lord was going to take his life or keep his life, that it would have great effect on whoever was around. I think there's something about Paul that maybe we miss in ourselves, is that there is just a direct connection to the guy wanted to be useful for expanding the kingdom. Do you feel the same way? Or is it just another thing to have to do? Do you understand when I'm saying be a part of these Bible studies to get LFBI, to get, uh, get involved in, in, in discipleship, get take uh, foundations uh, two and three, 
all of those things are really just to provide opportunity for you to be fruitful. That's why I'm, I'm suggesting it. I don't, I'm not, if the Lord is not satisfied with your good enough, neither am I. As your fellowship leader, I can't be. Remember, each one reach one. I'm still looking for the 80 that really should be in this class, not the 40. And not because I need numbers, but just because we need to be faithful to do what it is that God has called us to do. And so, principle number five, submission to the Great Commission allows you to be a part of liberating many from misery and the penalty of their sin. You have to understand that's what you're doing. You're not just being at something else that keep you from watching TV at home. Listen, I know it feels like that. There are some weeks you got Bible study on Monday. There's prayer on Tuesday. You're like, Lord, okay, I, Sunday. I just, three days in a row, Lord, I need a break, <laughs> you know, right? Like you, that's how you might see it. Okay, let me just help change that perspective. You're here for a purpose. You're here to do something. You're here to support or maybe directly be a part of adding to God's kingdom. It's not light work. And so in verse 22, it says, confirming the souls of the, of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must do much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And why must we go through that tribulation? Remember, on that confirming the souls is to establish what am I doing? Strengthening the weak hands and, and conform the feeble knees, Isaiah 35 and 3. And 1 Peter 5, 10, it says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, what happens? Makes you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Guys, you've got to go through it. That exhorting there, it would, it has an intention to encourage. Let me just hit you with this. This is, I mean, you got to be reminded of this. Maybe it's been a while since you come across it. But in John 15, 4 through 11, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Twice he said it, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. There is that intimacy. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. There's that submission to obedience. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you. Why? That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Listen, let's, man, we have to lose these sour faces when we come to church as if somebody is asking us to, I don't, pick cotton on a, 200 degree day. You get a chance to do something that has eternal value. When you go to work, 
as awesome as it is, and you work for some non-for-profit that does things in the world, and they will go to hell without the gospel. There are so many things that I want to share here, and I will next week. Sorry that I went long. It was just I, like the Lord, it was a water hose for me. <laughs> so it's going to be a water hose for you. <laughs> but I, I think that's a good spot to end on. And I, I just want to say this last principle. Jesus commands us to invest because he is investing in us. He commands us to invest because he's investing in us. You think that he's done with you? You're not finished until you're dead. And so with that, I just pray it'll be part 3B, fortunately, just because I can't cut my material down. <laughs> but you got to hear all of this because I had to hear all of it. My heart is this. Don't get lazy. Don't fall into the trap of filling out the Laodicean age. The Lord has called you to something greater. And he means for you to be a return on the investment that he has made in you. Not only at Calvary, but even currently through sanctification. Answer the bell. Say yes. Be reckless. Say yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much just for um, today. And Lord, it is a lot for us to consider. And I pray that we would just get out of the habit of just saying that this is good enough or just at the, at the, the feeling of our flesh that we kind of just, okay, well, I'm not doing any more. Lord, help us to not be people that call on your name and then to tell you what we will or will not do. Lord, help us to be sold out. That just give all to you. Wholeheartedly devoted. Lord, speak to us this week. Speak to us to, even today. If there's just things, that just different decisions we got to make. Lord, we thank you for your love. Thank you for continually investing in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.